you ever hear the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the White? Darth Plagueis, the Dark Lord of the Sith, so powerful and so wise, he can use the Force to influence the midi-chlorians to create... Together, we can rule the galaxy as father and son. You may want to rule as father and son, but this here is no place for a Padawan. This is the dark side. This is Sith Dark. Everything is proceeding as I have foreseen. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, rebel scum and loyal to the Empire, this is Sith Talk, the show where we talk about Star Wars, Star Wars news, Star Wars games, Star Wars TV, Star Wars comics, and a bunch of different Star Wars topics that we just, you know, sometimes feel like talking about, whether it be Balance of the Force or Darth Jar Jar, we talk about it all. So welcome to the show. Joining to, joining me today is my co-host, Brandon, the Balance of the Force Brandon. Dude, and whoa, whoa, how you whoa, doing, man? Whoa, whoa, whoa! I just have to say, I have a Jar Jar now, a Jar Jar action figure in my studio. His arms do not move, so he looks like he's doing the thriller. So I don't know if that helps the Darth Jar Jar theory or hurts it. I'll let the uh, the listeners decide that. <laughs> Fair enough, and it has been long-awaited, guys. You are in for a special episode because not only do we have Brandon, um, but we have finally... Finally! 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 After um, multiple conversations with her lawyers and um, plenty of uh, contractual deals, we have finally gotten the Lady of Lore back on it is Lindsay. Lindsay, how the fuck are you doing holy shit oh i'm so good i am so happy to be back i missed you i am i i missed you i miss sit talk i miss these conversations so i'm just thrilled to be back where i belong well i can't wait to let you down and uh <laughs> so so with that being said guys like um we'll start with Lindsay. Since it's been a while, um, what have you been up to, like, as far as life, Star Wars? How's it going? Oh, man. I'm trying to remember kind of the the last thing huh, that I really have to give you an update on. I think I've gotten a promotion since last time we talked. I know last time uh, I, I kind of kept you a little after the recording to ask you some painting and remodeling questions. And after about six months of just not wanting to finish things, um, I finally finished redoing my bathroom a few weeks ago. Um, so that's been lovely. But other than that, in terms of what I've been been Star Warsing, it's it's nothing terribly exciting. I feel like I used to be able to do really exciting Star Wars stuff, like go visit Galaxy's Edge or go go to Celebration. But now it's kind of just like, yeah, when when a game comes out, I play it. When a book comes out, I read it. But but all in all, you know, life. Some days are good. Some days are better. Some days are less good. Yeah, it doesn't feel quite as uh, it 
it's it, it definitely has a time period in in our lives right now where it is all encompassing whether it's the Mandalorian season 2 or you know a new high republic book comes out it's it's very like let's jump on the train and then we get off the train we kind of contemplate the star wars train and um it's it's not with the with the movies being kind of gone it's it's been a little bit quiet yeah but you know what i've i've kind of been enjoying it in terms of the movies being gone and getting to really kind of realize what I do and don't like in a star Wars story of any kind. I think last year was also kind of an anomaly for me where to be honest, I wasn't that hot on most of the stuff that came out. You know, I, I'm not a big Thrawn fan. So having multiple Thrawn books come out over the course, course of a couple years not a big draw for me. I didn't really like the Bad Batch that much. Wasn't really a big draw for me. So for the first time ever, it'd be like, yeah, you know what? I'm I'm okay admitting that this isn't really the story for me or this isn't really the thing for me. I think gets me more excited for things like the Book of Boba Fett coming out that I, I am really actively looking forward to. And it it's nice to just kind of be respectful too of other people to be like, you know, Brandon who love the bad batch. I don't have to sit here and hate on the bad batch 24 seven, the way people shit on the rise of Skywalker and me all the time. Um, but I don't have to, well, that's because one is right. And one is wrong. Obviously. <laughs> God damn. I was, I was going to say, it's nice to take a step back and just let people like what they want to like. And I can sit over in my corner and be like, you you keep rewatching the Bad Batch. I'm gonna catch up on some comic books. Yeah, and uh, Brandon, why don't we just throw you right in it? Um, what have you been Star Warsing? Uh, I haven't been watching the Bad Batch, although it is on the list of of things that I want to rewatch. Uh, well, I uh, I found a a new comic book store at uh, a town uh, about forty minutes from here. Um, where my girlfriend lives, they opened it in their little go. mall that they have. So went over there um, and checked that out. They had some pretty cool, pretty cool stuff. They had some, uh, well, like I said, they had the Jar Jar figure that I got. I got an Ezra. Um, it's a cool little shop just starting up. So that's made me want to go back to. So Houston has uh, the oldest uh, comic book shop in, I believe, in America. Might be Texas. Wow. One one of those. That's um, really cool. Either way, really, you know, old and been around forever. But they have the the coolest stuff, and um, I haven't been over there in a minute. So right now, I'm just kind of uh, honestly like being all consumed by the fundraiser, um, which you know, link in the show notes to you know, win some cool prizes and put some books in classrooms and stuff like that. Um, so just. Getting the word out about that takes takes a lot of energy, but is a hundred percent worth it um, with the kids that we're impacting. So uh, that is that's the majority of my Star Warsing right now. Um, trying to find some for some new shows, some new podcasts. Um, yeah, that, I mean that's about it. Oh, okay, that's totally fine. I mean, like when it comes to Star Wars for me, I have been recently catching up on the Darth Vader comic and. Um, and and the high republic and kind of just like 
trying to get back on the regular Star Wars mainline comics. And so far, I think I think the comics are doing really... Um, they're doing okay. I, I think Charles Soule is definitely the, um, the top comic book writer, and I don't think... I still think his Vader run is the best comic book series that we've gotten inside of Star Wars, period, for me. Um... So it, it's been pretty good catching up on that, but if I'm being completely honest, I'm waiting around for Book of Boba Fett and the new High Republic books coming out. Um, so, I mean, that's that's kind of what I've been doing, but it's, it sounds like we've all been kind of enjoying a little bit of a quiet break before we ramp up to Book of Boba Fett, not to completely turn the whole thing into uh, Book of Boba Fett, but the Lady Allure, I mean, like, come on, you're here. Are you excited for it? I mean, because, like, there's Dude. there's um, buzz, but w- when it comes to my world, there are, you know, I, I have to agree right now that I think everybody's talking about Spider-Man No Way Home, and this is a yeah. uh, Spider-Man No Way Home, not, not a Spider-Man show, uh, but I think that's kind of like stealing the thunder right now. And so it's it's very interesting because everything that I've seen from Book of Boba Fett looks amazing, but I have to get through this movie first before I can really get hyped. It's like a really weird event where Spider-Man No Way Home for some reason feels like a Star Wars movie in the sense of like the amount of hype I felt. But Lindsay, like how how are you feeling about Book of Boba Fett as far as the hype goes and everything like that? So I feel like the hype has been so downplayed because, well, so so a few reasons why I think that's the case. Um, I won't even chalk it up to Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, I think that one, the more, I don't want to say casual fan, I, I say all, all the time I hate that phrase because I think any level of fandom is fantastic. But we'll say the TV fans who kind of just watch Mandalorian when it's on and then forget about it. I think there might be a little bit of confusion in that camp with, you know, this is something different, even though, yeah, this guy's you you saw him on the Mandalorian. He's wearing Mandalorian armor. This is a totally different show. Um, So I think that there's some confusion with the just the tv fan the live action tv fans with hey this is something totally new that we can be excited for um and then two the people who are a little bit more ingrained in it and looking for these spoilers are so ingrained in what is happening with not even so much kenobi but ahsoka and I think that any little tidbit of news we get there is really overpowering what's going to happen with Book of Boba Fett. That being said, I am not in that camp. I am really, really psyched for Boba Fett as we're getting closer, which is weird because I was never a big, big Boba Fett fan, never really followed that cult following at any point in my life. Um, but I was saying to Drew the other night, um, I think one thing a lot of Star Wars fans don't really know about me is I am the Italian New Yorker of this group. My my family has a lot of kind of traditions uh, revolving around mob movies, you know. So so it's like a rite of passage in my family that you get to the first R-rated movie you get to watch is with my dad, and it's The Godfather. 
And then every, every holiday we watch either part one or part two, you know, we're always watching Goodfellas together or Bronx Tale. So, so mom movies are really kind of my comfort food almost. Like when I can't sleep, I put on Goodfellas um, and that helps me fall asleep. So I'm really excited about Book of Boba Fett because it's combining this other genre that I really love. And because of that, I am trying to take the Brandon route of not looking at every little trailer breakdown, not overanalyzing things, not going on my way to look for spoilers. I just kind of want this show to air and to be able to enjoy it for something new and something fresh that really appeals to me and to another genre that I really love. So let me ask you this, Lindsay, because this is something I've been thinking about. Are you going to do a rewatch of Mandalorian season two before going into Book of Boba Fett? If I have time, yes. Um, oddly enough, I, I have to um, stay at my parents' house for a few days and watch their dogs. Their dogs go absolutely crazy when an animal's on TV. Um, so last the last few times I've... Tr- Stayed with them. I've tried watching Hawkeye. There's a dog in Hawkeye, so I can't watch Hawkeye at their house. Um, I tried watching Westworld. There's obviously horses in Westworld. Can't watch Westworld at their house. So I'm going to try actually this weekend to see if I can do Mandalorian and see if there's anything the dogs freak out on. Um, And if they are nice and quiet and don't bark at the TV for 40 minutes at a time, I think I should have time to get a rewatch in, but I'm not going to sit here and promise that, yeah, I'm going to have time between Christmas and work and everything to to get a rewatch um, in before Boba Fett. Zach, what about you? Are you going to try to rewatch Mandalorian? You know, uh, it's, it's kind of funny you say that because it, yes, in short, yes. But I, if I'm being honest, uh, you know, Book of Boba Fett is really creeping up. I think I could probably finish, at the very least, Season 2 of Mandalorian. I want to say that Season 2 for me is much more rewatchable than Season 1. Not that Season 1 isn't, like, absolutely amazing. Uh, season 2 just seems like it, like, ramps up so much more. So, at the very least, I'll probably rewatch Season 2. Um, I, I still gotta say, like, right now, as far as fandom goes, I've never felt more rewarded than the season finale of Mandalorian. And I've kind of stayed away from it since the holidays. I don't, I don't even think I've watched it this year. The final episode, I, I very much a type of person where if I really enjoy something, I will watch it a couple times and then I will give it a break. So that way it impacts me, um, later when I need it to. And I think that I'm, I will rewatch it. I'll just probably watch it days before. Like, I'll get right up on the cusp. Because I'll be honest, right now, like, fandom is pretty insane. It's not just Star Wars that I love. I always, you know, talk about comic books and comic book movies. And, you know, Hawkeye's coming out this week, Episode 5, which is... There's a lot writing on Episode 5. There's also Spider-Man No Way Home. And there, and then there's The Witcher. So it's just, it's, you know, as it's a great world to be in when there's so much TV to watch, but I plan on watching all of it and then getting around to Mandalorian. But I will say the more I see about Book of Boba Fett, the more excited I am simply for the points that uh, Lindsay has made. I am not Italian. I am a uh, Irish boy. So, you know, um, 
what is it? Why am I forgetting my my own type of movie? Uh, Gangs in New York and and stuff like that. Like I I really love the Irish mob type of thing. Um, the Boondock Saints. That's kind of my thing. But back in the you know like recently, I've really checked out a lot of old Italian mob movies and grown to respect it. And you bring up a really good point because I think it's going to be very interesting to see a mob style Star Wars show. And what I am liking about uh, the trailers, at the very least, while I have not really paid ultra attention for a Star Wars podcaster, I've, I've kind of watched them, enjoy them, and put them down. I'm really digging the fact that I'm getting the vibe that Django is like, look, I'm not a fucking bounty hunter anymore. I'm going to take this shit over. I've done this shit for too long. I fell into a pit, and I'm coming out, and I'm going to run this. And I think that's going to be so exciting to watch. And I think Ming-Na Wen, every time I see her in these trailers, she's just a natural for this role. I mean, she was amazing um, in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., even though I didn't really care for the show. She looks like a natural in this, and I'm I'm very excited for that. Yeah, there's like a... It's almost like a religious uh, experience when it comes to watching something like The Mandalorian that's just... It's so good... It's Star Wars, and it's like you don't want to overwatch it. Like, it's kind of like, you know, everybody knows how big of a Rebels fan I am. Twilight of the Apprentice. Like, if I'm putting that on, it's not background noise. Like, it's, I'm sitting down, I'm putting my phone somewhere else, and I am watching it. And that's what I want to be able to do with uh, Mandalorian Season 2. Because I'm me, I'll have a notebook by my side probably so i can take some notes and uh see if if maybe there's some threads we can find um in in mandalorian season two as it regards boba fett that might be uh pulled forward especially since um you know i know robert rodriguez did the the one with the big fight um but i think he was kind of involved in all the ones that had to do with boba fett um so i i'm with Lindsay. i i've never really been a big Boba Fett person, um, one way or the other. But when he swung that gaffy stick in season two, uh, it was over for me. Like, I was like, all right, I'm in. Like, I get it. Let's do this thing. And uh, so I'm excited. I'm excited for the new look that he's got, uh, showing an evolution of the character. And I was actually just re-watching um, Attack of the Clones the other night. And because that movie's freaking awesome. And it's just really cool to me that we're in this time where, you know, we have we have Kenobi coming out and real world time has, you know, passed enough to be able to tell this story and him look the correct age. Enough time has passed for the guy that played Django to now play Boba and look the appropriate age. And uh, Katie Sackoff is just Katie Sackoff and we accept her. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, like it, it's just it's a really cool time that I think that they are capitalizing on um, with these people while we have them. You know, um, it's something that, you know, when it comes to the sequel trilogy, they made it 30 years after because it needed to be 30 years after for. Uh, the the big three, right? But I think that as hard as it was on everybody, and and as much as it may have in overall, you know, I don't want to say hurt, but 
affected the story of Rise of Skywalker. I think the passing of Carrie, uh, in a way, made people realize, like, we can't wait to tell these stories. Like, let's tell these stories when we have the people that we can tell these stories with. And to me, that's why, you know, we're getting Hayden Christensen back. We're getting Obi-Wan Kenobi back um, and things like that. So I'm just it's it's really exciting. 2022 is going to be absolutely insane. Like we're getting Andor in 2022. When was the last time you heard anybody talk about that? Yeah, I'm still uh, I'm I'm still actually pretty not cautious, but it doesn't feel real. And I'm still very skeptical on what this show is going to be. Here's my thing. I I think, and, and maybe there are, you know, movie union laws or things that I'm, I'm not aware of um, that would negate this. But how cool would it be if you walk into No Way Home and you get a Kenobi trailer? Oh, right. You walk into. I mean, into, it's, it's not likely. But no, it's oh. not likely. <laughs> but if if we're gonna if we're moving to this model where you know these TV shows are gonna be these movie like events, which I mean, maybe it's just because we're fans and we're building up Kenobi to be this epic thing. But if you're gonna be putting out these products that you're spending movie type budgets on to put on your streaming services why not put those trailers in the theaters you know um i mean i agree with you just because it is becoming more and more the norm um and not just not just the norm and what the audience wants um, I do think that we are becoming much more adapted to 45 to 60 minutes every single week for, you know, six to 10 weeks a year, as opposed to two and a half to three hours once a, once every few years. Um, I think the audience prefers it. I also feel like studios prefer it because in my opinion, it's it's better quality. I I think that is why the hype is there both in terms of what marketing teams are picking out and, and what social media is really generating because the quality just seems to be better and more thoughtful and more care put into a lot of these TV shows and serials as opposed to the big movies. Well, and, and like I, so I just, you know, watched West wing, which is, 20, 22, 23 episodes per season for six seasons. And that took me like quite a few months to get through, even watching, you know, one, two, sometimes three episodes a night. Uh, and, and honestly, like as great, it was a great show. I loved it and I loved it to the end, but there came almost like a, a fatigue with it where it's like, all right, I want to get through this because I, I, I like finishing a show before I start something new. But like another 20 episodes is a long ways to go. Whereas you get these six, eight, maybe 10 episode seasons, you've got enough room that you can tell a deeper story than you can tell in a movie, but not so much to where you're having to convolute the problems and, and add extra things in and, not that West Wing did that, but that's something that kind of 
took me away from the CW DC shows like the Arrow and Flash and stuff like that is they just it just became so many things happening and so much there are all these different characters and none of them really seemed as monumental as you would want them to be and as monumental as we were getting with characters like Din and Grogu and the return of Boba Fett and even in the the Marvel shows like I was never a don't huge trigger me don't don't just be careful with no I was that. just gonna say I was never a huge Wanda fan or Vision fan um like they I enjoyed them I thought they were great characters uh the designs all that like everything worked for me it wasn't anything like that but it, I I wasn't going to the theater to see them and then WandaVision came out and now I'm like all right a solid 35 to 40 percent of why I'm going to see you know Marvel movies is hoping that you know Scarlet Witch is going to be in there like that I think it talks about the impact that these shows can have because they have more time to develop those characters. And that I, I think we've kind of hit that sweet spot. And I wouldn't be surprised if in 15, 20 years from now, we're seeing weekly movie theater events where we're going to see the premiere of, you know, WandaVision 2 or whatever it may be, you know, the next Star Wars series, you're seeing the episodes at the theater and you can like, how awesome would it be if you could buy like season tickets to the Disney Plus shows at your local theater and every Wednesday at six o'clock you go, you get your popcorn, you go sit down, you spend 45 minutes to an hour watching the new episode of The Mandalorian on the big screen. Actually, it would be really dope. Like, how much money would you pay for that? I pay a oh, lot of money. Man. I'd pay. I pay twenty bucks for a season finale, knowing what we are getting out of it. But I think it's. Ooh, that's it's, that's true. No, I would. If if I could have watched that, I mean, the problem is circumstance. Knowing what you're getting out of it, uh, even now, I would say when it comes to you know season the final episode of season two of mandalorian i think i would pay 20 bucks right now to watch that in theaters i'd pay 50 bucks right now to go watch that in theaters well i mean i i just kind of like go with 20 because it's kind of the standard movie fee when you when you get your convenience go fee to a movie like yeah. yeah yeah um it's it's definitely an interesting time where three years ago we were all super nervous about three, four years ago. We were all super nervous about Mandalorian and what would a Star Wars TV show look like. And now it's like the TV shows are kind of carrying Star Wars. And when it comes to my opinions on Kathleen Kennedy, the film division, stuff like that, like everything aside, TV's working, TV united. It doesn't matter if you like The Rise of Skywalker, you love The Last Jedi, and you hate The Force Awakens. Uh, most people love the Mandalorian. Like that's just like yeah. kind of a common fact. There's only been like maybe one person in my group that is a somewhat fan of Star Wars that hasn't loved the Mandalorian. You know, like Sarah, my wife, she doesn't get into the Mandalorian, but that's because she doesn't really get into Star Wars. Her father doesn't really get into Star Wars since it came out in the movies. But he loves the Mandalorian because guess what? Django, Django Fett, or Django, Boba Fett beat the shit out of people with gaffy sticks, and that's pretty awesome. So now he's on board, and 
We're definitely going to watch The Book of Boba Fett together. It's an interesting time where TV is carrying a lot of these shows and or a lot of these franchises, and I kind of prefer it because, like, with Hawkeye, I'm enjoying Hawkeye a lot more than I'm enjoying Black Widow, and it's not because I didn't want Black Widow to be a successful film, and I actually really do like Black Widow. I just think personally when it comes to a more street-level character or someone like Boba Fett who would be considered a more street-level character given the fact that he's still pretty agile and stuff like that. He's not a Jedi, so he wouldn't be the Thor ranking or the Captain America or Iron Man ranking superhero in, you know, as far as franchise goes. He's more of like a street-level character. And when you look at Hawkeye's show right now or Falcon Winter Soldier, it's very f refreshing to see these kind of more tight niched. They're still fantastical because it's still a fantastical world, but it's a lot of fun to see it like a little bit more dimmed down. And I think that's where shows really excel and they get more personal with these characters because some characters, there's not just like super flash and like we can do force lightning and just rain stuff with lightsabers. And even Kenobi, like I'm not in for Kenobi for the, um, I'm not in Kenobi for the Jedi powers and the stuff like that. If I can get some emotion from Ewan McGregor, like even half as much as we've gotten from Jeremy Renner and like looking at the, like the, the way he looks when he talks about Black Widow. If I can get that with him thinking about Anakin, and he's a, he's, a, I mean, like Jeremy Renner's a really good actor. Uh, Mayor of Kingstown is amazing show, and it's his second show out right now, and he's amazing. Ewan McGregor's a better actor. If I can get half of that, but he's thinking about Anakin and his regrets and his mistakes, dude, I'm there for it. I just think TV's a magic time right now. Well, and, like, if you think about the evolution of, like, our perspective on TV, you know, you mentioned the beginning of Mandalorian, everybody being a little bit apprehensive about what Star Wars TV going to be. Oh, here's this dark, gritty show. Like, some people want it, but is it the right people wanting it that should be guiding the direction of Star Wars? And then we get the Mandalorian, and it's like, oh, this is this is amazing. This is exactly what we want. Fast forward, you know, the three years, and now we're getting what seems to be pretty clearly a more gritty show, an underworld show, but nobody is nervous about it. You know, nobody's like, all right, are they taking Star Wars into, like, far of a, a gritty Snyder direction? Yeah, yeah. Um, I love Zack Snyder, but... Well, yeah. that makes one of us, so... right. Uh, <laughs> but no, like I, yeah, I get it. He, but, but yeah, no, that's a great, great analogy. Like a Zack Snyder direction. Like nobody is mentioning anything about that. Right. Because we understand what they're doing with these TV shows as far as the feel that they're going for. And then you also look at Kenobi and as cool as it was, you know, when Kathleen Kennedy announced like the rematch of the century, how many people are really talking about watching the Kenobi series for that duel? I mean, I am. No, no, no. Are you watching <laughs> it for, for that, that duel? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Or okay. are you watching it and there's going to be that duel? 
I think I'm originally watching it to see where Obi-Wan's head is at. And mm-hmm. I think as far as like after years of talking about this, I think that that is where everyone's at. But a big but. I never thought that they would go that far. So no, that's when they fair. down on it, it's like, okay, I'm I'm hopefully gonna get what I want, but it's now like we're dangling we're dangling the rematch of the century and that could be like go one or two ways. I don't care. I'll take all the money. It's just like the rumors going around that um, you know, Toby Maguire, Andrew Garfield um they're gonna be in you know spider-man homecoming nobody really knows but guess what everybody's on board on the hype train nobody cares at this point whether or not like they show up everybody's just here to see what the hell is happening this movie is so crazy right now that people are saying like ben affleck's daredevil can come back and that's just like wild and that's how i feel about the obi-wan rematch i don't really like i never asked for this i never thought it would happen but like now that it's out there, I'm like, oh shit. And Lindsay, I gotta ask you a question because I mean, like, dude. So, <laughs> me and Brandon have been kind of conversing back and forth multiple times about this duel. What do you think this duel is gonna look like? And um, are you excited for it? Because we got it. I gotta um, talk to you about it. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm going to not in a bad way i but be underwhelmed by the duel because i i do think that this kenobi show is going to be way more introspective way more of a slow burn madman-esque tv show where we see we see a real evolution in characters than it will be one specific set piece and I also think that's a really big advantage that Star Wars has, though, that it gets the ability to do that. It gets to hype up and reference this big duel, and people are going to watch it and get it for it. But here's my caveat. I think Star Wars is way better suited and adapted for multiple TV shows than something like Marvel is. And the reason I say that is because, Zach, you and I are stoked about No Way Home. Most people in our circles stoked about no way home and for the reasons you specified maybe garfield comes back maybe mcguire comes back maybe ben affleck's daredevil comes back it's a place where it would all make sense and we're excited for that i know a ton of people though and honestly i think it might be more people who say this than are stoked for it i think a ton of people are saying that they are falling off and they're not even planning on seeing this because it's just getting to be too much. They don't want to have to watch four different TV shows and some episodes of What If and catch up on every single movie and now go back to the movies when Sony had the licensing just to understand this one TV, this one new movie. Whereas Star Wars, because it is such a large time frame we're dealing with, And it's the added benefit of not being present modern day society. We could have shows in any, any timeline, right? We can do High Republic. We can go hundreds, if not thousands of years back if we wanted to. We can have something that takes place in the original trilogy or the prequel or the sequel. And people can pick and choose what they're going to get. I would be wary if the big 
set piece and the big draw for Kenobi is that, hey, we're going to take on all this other stuff or borrow from other stuff. And you have to like that and you have to be excited for that and you have to feel passionately about the relationship between these two characters to enjoy the rest of the show. So I don't want a big set piece between just two characters to be the big draw of the show when it could instead grab so much attention and grab in viewers who are interested in something else. When it comes to marketing pitches, I really don't care what gets people there. If I if Vader versus Kenobi and there's a big shot of Vader against Kenobi and it's like a UFC thing, I really don't care because I think the more butts we get or the more eyes we get on these screens watching this is going to raise more to Star Wars and more on these shows. And we have a lot of pretty interesting shows coming out, and we have a lot of interesting things coming out in Star Wars. So really, I think at this point, the TV reputation is so good that I don't care if they use like a cliche fight night like they did with Rogue One. They slap Vader all over that thing. And guess what? People love Rogue One, and people still love the Vader scenes. But they like Rogue One for Rogue One. And if you slap Vader on it, you know, is, can it quickly become a cliche thing that won't work? I think this is probably the last thing that they can really slap Vader on front and center to get people before it starts just getting tired. I think this is about all they got. Um, but I think it'll work. And it will add to the originality and, and create more morale into Star Wars. Because that's kind of what Marvel did early on. It was small promises. These those end credit scenes that said um, the Avengers Initiative, and we immediately knew, so we all kept going into the implication. If we can, if we can get people to watch the show because of the implication that Obi Wan and Vader are going to fight, and fans stop caring about that, even though it's in tied, you know, tied into the story, and they're here for Obi Wan, they're going to say by the end of that, like, wow, I came in here for this fight night got so much more so i'm gonna check out something like i don't know the acolyte which seems like kind of the most original thing they're writing so far when it comes to um not a based ip ahsoka has a little bit of a following i mean not not i mean like with us we all love them the major star wars fans but not with casual fans she got her debut in mandalorian for a lot of people and I, but that's still a safe IP that checking out Obi-Wan and getting a little bit more after you've already checked out the Mandalorian and that's great might get us more butts in the seats. Yeah. I, I mean, you also say marketing and what is kind of marketing, what they're doing intentionally with Kenobi still like, let's not forget it's really too early to say what's marketing and what's not. Everything else is still kind of rumor and hearsay and speculation. So I think it's too early to say this is how they're marketing it and this is what we're definitely going to get or not get. It, it would be too early to say that if Kathleen Kennedy hasn't doubled down for over a year now saying that this is going to be the ultimate rematch. She's, she said that um, a year ago and she's said that recently. This is going to be the ultimate. You of all match. people putting faith in something Kathleen Kennedy says. Well, it's shooting right now. I'm not saying it'll like it. I never then, thought I'd see the day. You look, you seem to be putting some stock in what Kathleen Kennedy says. I put stock in what she says 
um, in the TV shows because she is giving me no re reason to do, you know, despite contrary mm -hmm. to belief, I want to believe in her. It's the film division that I have a huge problem with. And I won't go down that, that rabbit hole again, but that's the, yeah. well, you when, will just not right now. Yeah. Like when TV's working <laughs> and it's hot, it's like, come on, you, you got to trust the people that are running this right now because they're the ones that have unified Star Wars since The Force Awakens. Force Awakens came out. It was a party. We were all talking about everything and all the possibilities. And while I love The Last Jedi, ever since then, it's been a, a firefight until The Mandalorian came out. That's true. I'll, I'll definitely give you that last point. So I got to do this before we... Um, you know, we, we got to talk about it. Um, speaking of surprises in Star Wars, we got a little bit of a surprise. <laughs> nice segue. Yeah, we got a little bit of surprise. Everybody knows that EA's contract, well, not everybody. Everybody knows, some people know that EA's contract is getting to be a close. And so Star Wars is more comfortable announcing bringing back Lucasfilm or Lucas Games. And we got a little bit of a drop on a game called Star Wars Eclipse. And I want my uh, guest and co-host to add on to this full disclosure before we talk about this. There is some controversy about the CEO and some allegations about homosexuality, homophobia, or racism, homophobia. Sorry, that, that was a better way to explain that. Um, and... Here at Clashing Sabers, we take that stuff, and Sith Talk, we take that stuff um, very heavily. We have looked into things, and while everybody present here are uh, straight white people, um, we feel that we want to at least talk about it right now as the canon trailer that we received, and there are plenty other places to... Um, kind of get into that conversation and we, we're going to keep looking at that and paying attention to those allegations and kind of seeing updates. And if we see some more stuff, we will definitely talk about it. And we just at least wanted to bring light out of respect for people who might feel slighted in those communities, uh, before we get into it. And we want to shed light to it because I think it's, while there has been no like concrete confirmations out of respect, I think it's polite to at least address it that way you guys can look into it um do the digging see how you feel brandon is there there was a couple shows that you wanted to add on to that yeah just like like you said like we are not the uh demographic to to really speak to that uh, lgbtq experience um and while we do have you know members of our family here at classic sabers who are like you can go over to uh, listen to shows like Pink Milk and and different shows of that accord who can speak to that um, more appropriately. But you know, Mark brought up something when we were were having our conversation about this that um, it's it's a it's a tough situation because the game is not made by the CEO who the allegations are against. And a lot of people put a really hard work into this game. And I mean, if you just look at probability and statistics, like uh, some of them were LGBTQ uh, plus and 
we we don't want to negate the work that those people did and we don't want to justify or ignore or gloss over um things that that have been said uh by the ceo about said communities so it's a very sticky situation um and like you said, we're going to keep an eye on it. We obviously stand with the LGBTQ community um, and we'll continue to do so. And um, when we're talking about this game, we're talking about this game as a Star Wars story and what it's adding to that um, and, and acknowledging that that stuff is out there. And if Lucasfilm, just being straight up, if Lucasfilm doesn't do a little bit of a better job vetting people then we need to you know have a serious conversation about how far we're willing to support this ip if they're not going to be supportive of a large section of the fandom uh that supports them yeah and i just want to before we get into it i want to make one more double down on it and this isn't a this is a me opinion personally if if um, if these allegations become a little like more concrete and we do find that he was guilty of these things and we do find that Lucasfilm knew about it, didn't care about it, then I will openly say shame on Lucasfilm. When it comes to companies, I'm not comfortable with companies um, trying to boast inclusion when it when it seems like a good marketing pitch and then not talking about it when it's inconvenient for their product. So if, if, if there ever does become evidence where Lucasfilm knew about this and decided to say, nah, this is all right, we're going to go for it, then we will talk about it. And I will have opinions because I do have a huge problem with companies doing that. I don't, I think if you're, I think you should be involving inclusion, but it doesn't just become a thing where it it when it's convenient for you i think these conversations should be had when it's uh convenient and not inconvenient for you if you double down on it and star wars has lately tried to double down on it even you know even if it isn't as big as what some communities would want that being said let's talk about star wars I did well. Did I clear the air? Does anybody else no, say anything? I, I, I just want to add on one more thing. I want to add on one yeah. more thing here of just like this is not the first mark that Lucasfilm has against them in this regard. Um, they pulled the kiss at the end of Skywalker out of Asian markets to appease that audience. Um, they. Thin Poe didn't happen, even though it really should have, if for nothing else, for the dang story, it made sense. Um, and a lot of the inclusion that has happened has happened in ancillary materials like the books and things like that. And yes, that is a first step and it's a good sign going forward. And I have no reason to believe that they want, wouldn't continue moving that forward. And hopefully we get into being in the TV shows and the movies and stuff uh, as we continue to go on. But even if they didn't know, that's a problem as much as them knowing and not doing anything about it to me. So we got to, and, and we've got to all do better because like, let's be honest, how many of us, on here on this particular show like would have known about these allegations if they weren't brought up by somebody else like 
I wouldn't have looked to see, and that's on me. So I think as a fandom, we all have to be better about making sure we're looking out for each other. And yeah, that's that. That's kind of my my closing statement. Yeah, I mean, I really just want to echo Zach's point. Um, I think Lucasfilm is phenomenal at including things in a marketable way, meaning always, always, always on the forefront of, you know, gay characters, pan characters, um, trans characters, and, and really making sure they're covering all those bases in the stories. But like Zach said, that's that's a marketable way to do it. Um, what's more important is how you conduct yourself in a day-to-day environment, um, how safe you make the people in real life who you're responsible for. Um, and that being said, he said at the top of the segment, yeah, we're the three straight people on this show. It's, it's easy for us to say, here are the remarks. I'm not comfortable with this. I'm going to support anyone who chooses not to play this game because they don't want to support this person, this, this company culture, this structure. It's so easy for us to say that. Um, so to that point too, we're always looking for feedback on ways we could maybe handle this better, be more supportive, be more inclusive ourselves. Um, this is, I think, a, a learning experience for everyone in terms of how do we handle this? How do we come to make these decisions? Um, especially because right now, yeah, we, we don't necessarily have all the information. I'm sure over the course of the next couple of years as this game is coming out and developing, more and more light is going to be shed on this. And how open are we to changing our stance to say, you know what? No, I'm not comfortable with this either. This is, this is too much for me. Um, so just making sure that we are staying open-minded, we're staying um, adaptable to any new information. But for the course of tonight and tonight's discussion, we want to talk about this strictly as what this trailer means for the Star Wars canon. Um, so just understanding that, yeah, we totally get if someone is not going to invest in this because of the remarks being made. But for tonight's discussion, um, we just want to talk about the trailer, our kind of breakdowns, our, our guesses about what this story is going to be, um, while still being respectful that maybe even as when the time comes, we won't even play it ourselves based on what, what information comes to light. Yeah, I, I, I 100% agree with all that, and I, I'm i not going to lie to you guys. Um, given that this news and, and like some of these things that have been brought to light um, to us, I want to be respectful, and I, I 100%, um, I think we're all in agreement there. And it kind of adds a little bit of a, I'm interested to see how this stuff pans out and what happens. There has been talk about um, some of those allegations. I don't think there's been enough talk um, from the CEO himself and from the company. Um, so I, I just I think we're all trying to navigate positive energy while still talking about this. And so I'm going to move it forward. Um, I'm going to move it forward, and I'm going to say when it comes to the trailer and the team that made this trailer that made are making this game. And I hate to end such a serious note with something so positive, but 
I have to say, guys, just like going right in off the top, this was the best Star Wars trailer that I have seen since the opening trailer for The Force Awakens. This was the most exciting I'm, I've ever been. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, not even just for Star Wars, quite honestly, one of the best trailers I think I've seen. Um, I don't I don't think it would work for any entity other than Star Wars, which is already established where we can make connections and say, okay, this is like this. Okay, this is in this period where, where we have some ways to build context. But it was just a great trailer. And dude, the fact that it came out of nowhere... Like I almost miss this because I get um, I get alerts on my phone for new Star Wars YouTube videos, and as part of that, I get the kind of recommended videos, you know. So you might have a recommended fan made trailer. This came on, and I thought this was I saw Star Wars Eclipse trailer. I thought this was like a recommended fan trailer. I almost swiped it and deleted it, and then I realized it was an official Star Wars thing. I was like, what the hell? So just to be so caught off guard by something was so refreshing in a time where we're used to, hey, there's an investor meeting, we're going to get stuff tonight. Hey, we're six weeks out of a show or a movie, there's an NFL game, we're going to get something tonight. Like it was, it was really, really cool to be surprised again. Brandon? Yeah, I mean, I, I would echo that too. And it... It felt like a trailer that they really took their time piecing together um, because I think we got well, basically nothing about the story, which I'm a fan of that um, because I like to experience the story as you're as you're playing, as you're watching or whatever. But it also gave us an it was, it was very, you know, apropos to the the. Um, Force Awakens trailer, the first Force Awakens trailer you mentioned, where we get all these things. They look really cool. They're put together in a really cool fashion. Um, like, it, it to me, this video, this trailer was like something you would use as like a hype video uh, at the start of like a, a basketball game or something like that with the drums and the visuals and it was like a highlight reel of what this video game is going to be without giving you any real context of what the story uh, is going to be about, which I think is really cool. Um, and it looks like it's going to be something different than what we've gotten before. Um, I'm really questioning whether this is going to be a game where you follow and you are one character the whole time, or at least the majority of the time, like a battlefront two or uh, Jedi Fallen Order, or if this is going to be one where you jump between characters, or yeah, you get to choose, heard, or what? I've heard multiple characters, but I'm not sure if that means you're going to jump through during gameplay to multiple characters, or if. And I think I'm getting this from the article on StarWars.com, um, but I don't know if they mean you jump through during gameplay to multiple characters, or if it's at the, the onset of the game, you can select multiple characters and then you're, you're stuck with that one that you pick. Well, there isn't any clarification to that, um, like 100%, but the leaks that I've been kind of reading up on, because, I mean, guys, this game looks like I 
head. Like it looks like my brainchild. Like the drummers look like weird um, Prometheus style aliens from the alien movies. Um, it's got a shit ton of Jedi, some awesome space battles. This is like my thing. So I've been, I've been digging into like everything when it comes to this game and what it's going to be. And uh, Quantic Dreams has done more um, very deep storytelling than actual gameplay. But the uh, leaks right now are saying that it's going to be an action adventure game, which means you will get some action in this game. It's not just going to be dialogue based and story based with threads. It's going to be also based on what they do best, which is based on interactive storytelling. It's uh, rumored to be an open world and um, it is going to have um, multiple player characters. But to add to what you're saying, Liz Lindsay, it doesn't specify if that's like, you know, you pick one now or you pick one multiple you know, you know, multiple different characters as the story goes. Um, if I were to guess based on quantum games, it's probably going to be multiple characters as the story goes, but uh, they're definitely adding more than what they usually do. What do you mean by adding more than what they usually do, though? They normally don't do, like, adding the open world which implies that you're going to have free roam upon the the world that they built for the game. They don't normally do that. They normally do like fixed stories. Like Detroit is their latest game, I believe, and it's very much a fixed story with a lot of threads. They do what uh, another company, Supermassive Games, does where they tell these um, very detailed stories where every decision you make can affect every part of the game and these threads just lead to a story so that you can play this game multiple times and have different outcomes. They're saying, uh, based on these rumors, which have been doubled down multiple times as I've been looking into it, again, not 100% accurate because there's only so much we know about this game, but this is multiple sources that have talked about these rumors. They're saying they are adding a action adventure, um, action adventure gameplay to it. They're not just doing interactive storytelling. It's their most ambitious, as far as budget wise, as far as stuff like that. It's their most ambitious and original project. I want to kind of dive into what this is really going to mean for Star Wars as a whole, because this this is something that's kind of always confused me. How can you have such an open world, such a unique and customizable and configurable game and still decide what's canon? You know, this isn't like Cal's lightsaber where you can just cosmetically make it look like you want to. If this is really and truly such an open-ended game, what do we think this story is going to be? And how is it going to interact with the canon of the High Republic? Brandon? Well, you have that one. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> um, like, I, I don't really play video games a lot, so I have a limited, you know, uh, set of data points to go off of. But I almost wonder if there will be a combination where it is you, you can play story mode or open world mode. And in story mode is, is more of a fallen order where you're following a set story, you know, Battlefront 2, or it, and then you have an open world 
you know, idea that you can do such as you would with like a Battlefront 2 online where you can do the same, you can do similar things, maybe even the same things that you do in the story, but that's like the non-canon mode. Um, I also don't really know if Lucasfilm really cares. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that in a... They want to tell the stories that they want to tell and they're going to tell them and let everybody else figure out what's canon, what's not, why this person doesn't remember that person. Kind of like George Lucas did, you know, like George told the (laughs) stories that he wanted to tell and didn't really care that Obi-Wan had said I never owned a droid before. And it took us to go like, well, technically he never owned R2. Um that's kind of what See, the feeling I, I get there. Yeah, I I think you're probably right. I kind of selfishly hope you're not because I'm already falling into the trap that I rag on people all the time for movies and TV shows where it's like, oh, you're just going to be upset if it's not exactly what you think is going to happen. Because for me, I watch this trailer and I know the High Republic. And the problem is... We still don't know exactly where in the High Republic things necessarily are. So are the books at the start of the the High Republic, right in the middle, or are they to the end? And similarly, where is this story going to be? Is this going to be before Starlight Beacon, or is this going to be right at the end of the High Republic, right before things come crumbling down? Well, and I think that's a big question. Go for it. Well, I think that's a big question because we have the Nemoidians in the Trade Federation. Exactly. Dude, exactly what I was thinking. Because I I think, too, with the drummers, like, we're used to High Republic. When we talk about the antagonist, we're talking about the Nile. The Nile, not nearly uniform and in sync enough to have that drumming sequence, right? Assuming those are the antagonists, which they seem to be. Um, Seems like something else. That's not something we would see. Yeah, it's not really something we would see in the Nile. I would hope, and and again, I feel like I'm going to eat my words as the months go by and we're going to get more information and I'm going to be totally off. But what I think would be an amazing story to play through And so my hope is it would be slightly more canon because there's no other way around this. How cool would it be if the the books, the the comic books, the audio dramas, maybe even any TV shows we're going to get in the Acolyte or whatever, maybe all that stuff deals with the Nile, deals with the Jedi. I think a cool story that I would want to see because we have the Nemodians, because we have the Trade Federation, would be... What have the Sith been doing in secret these years pl- during all of, all of this? You know, like they're they're still in hiding. They're thought to be extinct. We know they're not. We know they're starting to put a plan in motion. So how cool would it be if this game is going to take place at the end of the High Republic as things are about to come crumbling down? And what we see is Plagueis's predecessor or Sidious's predecessors starting to put this plan in motion with the Nemodians and with the Trade Federation. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, one, the title is Eclipse. You know, we saw the the light disappearing behind the dark. Um, so that points towards 
that direction. Uh, we have the Trade Federation, which is, I mean, it's it, it's crazy to think about the, you know, this is what two hundred years before the the Phantom Menace is when the High Republic is set. Like three hundred, but I might be wrong on that. I'm pretty sure it's like two hundred, but either way, a couple hundred years. Um, so if we, if we think, you know, just to, to give some room to play around, there's a hundred years in the high Republic. So this would be a hundred years before Phantom Menace. Like, even if you think about it in that like angle, that's still a long time away for the trade Federation to start, you know, meddling at this point where those look like to me, though, the, the ships that are flying at the trade Federation ship, they remind me of V wings, which makes me think that the, they're possibly the Jedi vectors. Uh, so, but who is that army? You know what I mean. That's that that's army a thing. Marching. That There's like so insane. many. Like okay, here's 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 an idea because they kind of have a similar look to them. Is is this you know a, another form of Nemoidian we haven't seen? Uh, you know, like they kind of did that with the Mon Cala of giving us the. Um, Oh, why did I just blank on his amazing name in Rogue One? <laughs> I know who you're talking about. Uh, Radis? Right. Uh, yeah. Yes, Admiral Radis. Uh, like, we are those a, a subspecies or a side species of Nemoidians? Because they have that kind of reptilian look to them. Um, are they... Are the, well, here's an idea. What if the Trade Federation are the good guys in this one? What kind of loop would that throw for us? Because they have to earn enough trust and enough power to get a seat in the Senate. What it's if they possible. do that? What if, by- what if this entire game is actually just explaining that weird little loophole of the Trade Federation isn't a planet? Why are they in the Senate to begin with? What if they're just like, look, we're going to give you this really, really awesome video game, but please stop asking that question. <laughs> I think it makes absolute sense. Like, what what kind of a loop would it throw you for if we spent years, decades in games battling droids, in shows battling droids, in movies battling droids, and now you're the Jedi, you're battling this living species with droids at your back. And how much would that add to the stories that we have with Jedi's battling droids? Like, I think to me that would just add another layer of the Sith and Sidious's manipulation where, you know, we have like order 66 hurts because you have the clones turning on the Jedi after we've had, seven seasons now of clone wars of them working together right and if you give us this game where man the jedi and the b1s kind of work well together like then it becomes a little tragic that the trade federation does what it does and that things get so out of hand but it would make sense to me that this would be a story that could kind of start that that road and and Give us a I mean, reason dude, why Newt Gunray agrees to, to team up with Sidious. If it's as open-ended as it seems to be, 
and we get to come up with as many decisions and create as many trees as it seems to be. Um, it's, it's entirely possible that maybe that's part of the game. Maybe you have, depending on what choices you make and what characters you pick, maybe you'll see in some versions the Nemordians and trade federations are the bad guys. Maybe in others it's, it's the good, and that's part of this open-worldness and, and all the decisions that we're going to get to play through. Yeah, I'm pretty... Every You guys have really good points on that, and that's some of the stuff that I haven't thought about. The only thing that I can kind of think is... If it's a more open-ended game, it, it has to be a big enough story to where it matters to the player, but also not... You know, the, the High Republic has a lot of different little pocket stories that have big... They have big endings, you know, like Claudia Gray's book, Into the Dark. Uh, you know, they released the Dranger. And that was a huge thing, but the characters themselves was a very deep but contained story. This could be about a set of characters that are responsible for the start of either, you know, some form of Sith Lord or, or you know, what you were saying about the Trade Federation. What is very apparent just looking at, if I were to guess this time period, when I before I even read about it and I, I knew that it was the High Republic, the High Republic essentially means like right before Phantom Menace. Like the High Republic is the High Republic. And it could be that if I were to guess based on this trailer, based on the marketing, based on everything we see stylistically, it is still very much a Jedi-oriented Jedi world. There is some kind of dark sickness and there is starting to be a political sickness as well. Eclipse means that we are covering the light. And I think by the end of this game, this will be the very beginning of that shadow being cast over the Jedi. Yeah. And it'll be up to whatever these characters that we find out. Um, whether they know or not, whether the Jedi knows or not, I, I think that regardless, if, if Star Wars and Lucasfilm games does what they normally do, they normally, when they create these kind of open-ended, heavy story plot games, they write their canon version of it, but they still allow players to do the kind of game they want. I stand by that. I thought that was great when they ultimately chose that Revan... Um, was the good guy at the end of Knights of the Old Republic, which very carried into a very dark KOTOR 2, even though I still enjoyed also being Revan as a Sith, Sith Lord in the game. It didn't take away from any of that and the story threads that I could do while enjoying that game, whether you let Bastila turn to the dark side or bring her back to the light, it didn't take away from the effectiveness of that. Um, so I really don't care as far as I think they're going to write their own canon thing. But if I were to guess, like, I think that this game is telling us based on the trailer that I got and there could change in a minute, but it looks like this is going to be the, the first cast of the shadow on the Republic, on the Jedi, on the high Republic, the actual cast of the Sith. And while they might be front and why we might be seeing trade and trade federation front and center, one, they're not going to show us any kind of Sith Lord or dark energy on the first trailer, but they are showing us a darkness with this um, new race that may or may not be like a Sith Lord, a Sith apprentice, or something. I'm not going that far. I'm just saying 
the Sith were behind all of that, and and the Trade Federation is seeming to be front and center on this. So therefore, a Sith reveal and the cast of the Eclipse being the dark side seems pretty apparent. I mean, I would love to see the Sith cult. Ooh. Hey yeah. I will want to do one more thing before uh, before you sound like you had a great comment. I will I will clarify that the Acolyte does specify that it is at the tail end of the High Republic. That is something it's said since the beginning of the Acolyte, that it was at the tail end of the High Republic. So if this is at the tail end of the High Republic, or you know, this could very much lead into the Acolyte, being that the, the cast of the Shadow, it just depends. But that is also on that timeline. My Not big thing with, with all of that is the person coming out of the black sludge at the end like that's how you chose to end your trailer was by giving us this mysterious figure coming out of this darkness like to me that can't just be an arbitrary like Trade federation yeah it, yeah like it has to be it has to be somebody right it has to be somebody of significance it has to mean something you know, like, s some of the shots are there because they're really cool. And, yeah, they're going to have meaning for the story, you know. But but the space battles and stuff like that, they put those in trailers because they look cool. And they do. And they sell trailer or they sell video games. And that's absolutely valid and, and makes sense. But the, the mystery behind the drums and it seeming like some kind of ritual is a thing that really pulled me in more than anything else. So, um I want to know who in the hell that is, and if it is not Plagueis, why? I will say that it is Sit not up. canon anymore that Plagueis is immune. See? And that... Ooh. I, I, listen, you start talking Plagueis, I get a little, uh, huh. Oh, let's say, uh... I get giddy. Um, and it does... I don't want to be that person to say it, but it does. At the very least, it seems like a dark entity that has had some form of dark ritual that may or may not have figured out how to either come back to life uh, or is born from darkness. Um, there's a lot of prophecy thrown around with the High, the High Republic. This could mean many things. I think the Plagueis thing would be absolutely awesome. And if you're going to do Plagueis... I mean, this kind of looks like what a reskin would look like of who he could be. Yeah, for sure. So I mean, it's very cool. That, well, that, that I, I just want to very cool. I just want to ask you though. So Zach, you're kind of like the the resident gaming expert here. Um, and and I was talking to Drew. It's over on the the latest episode of the flagship show. But he was kind of enlightening me a little bit more on on his thoughts on the timeline here, and how difficult it is to get things out of development in video games. Um, I think we're so used to movie production schedules, TV production schedules, where where we understand okay, once it's at this point, this is going to happen. Once it's done here, it goes into editing. We can expect a trailer around here. What do you think the release, because we don't have a release date for this yet. So what do you, as the gamer here, kind of expect timeline-wise? Like, are we looking at we're a few months out and we're not going to get a lot more information? Or are we a couple of years out 
where we're going to keep getting more and more leaks, more information about what this game is. If I were to guess, um, their their contract ends 2023 with EA. I think we're going to get Jedi Fallen Order sometime at the end of this year, if I were to guess. And that'll be the last game that EA does. It's also why you're not hearing about a Battlefront 3. That contract's up. Lucasfilm Games has been a thing for a while now. They've known that they're not going to sign on this. I think this is a hype trailer. I think this game will come out early 2023. And unless they have a contractual loophole, maybe November 2022. But this game is not coming out at least until November 2022, at the very earliest. And I would... I would say realistically, probably first quarter of 2023. However, you know, games love big blockbuster games such as this. And Star Wars has been known to want to release their games around November. They might. And this game has been developed rumored for a year and a half. So they might try and work out a deal with EA. Maybe give them some back end deals to get this game out. Um, sooner. That being said, if Fallen Order 2 is coming out under EA's banner, either one of these two games will come out first, and if this game comes out before Fallen Order 2, Star Wars will work out a back-end deal with EA to make sure that they get their November releases for these games. So I, I think you're going to get um, either Fallen Order 2, November 2022, and this game, first to second quarter of 2023, or you're going to get one or the other in November 2022 or 2023. I think we have some time before we get this game. However, I think we are going to see plenty more on gameplay and get more announcements within the next couple months. Um, at the very latest, E3, this was very much a like this was a flex, a huge flex out of nowhere that nobody was talking about. Nothing was rumored, and I stay very updated on these Star Wars games. I had no idea that Quant uh, that Quant Quantic Dream was even making a game signed on, and I look for this stuff actively. So this is a huge deal, huge flex, and being that it's a great trailer, even better. Yeah, I mean. I think that's a great point to wrap on is just the fact that like this trailer clearly made a huge impact. Like one, I don't remember trailers for Battlefront 2 or Jedi Fallen Order at all. Um, let alone talking about them on on, a, on an episode of the show. Uh, you know, admittedly, to kind of wrap up my thoughts on the whole thing. The, the allegations have obviously tempered, you know, my stance on it a little bit. But if I were just looking at the, the trailer itself in isolation in a vacuum and what it seems to be presenting and providing as far as a Star Wars entity, a, a Star Wars story, and, and really a Star Wars story that you can interact with, more importantly, I mean, this game looks good enough to get me to buy a game system just to play this game. Um, like a solid 8, 9 out of 10 on, on the scale. And I am a terrible video gamer and have no desire to, to uh, prove that I'm a terrible gamer uh, for any reason. But I, I want 
to know what this is about. And I'm very, very excited for even if this this doesn't turn out or excuse me, if the, if the allegations do turn out to be true and uh, this is was not the company to do business with, if this is their first one out of the gate after EA and with Lucasfilm games and everything like that, it does point in a good direction for the video games in and of themselves. So, uh, do we have any other closing thoughts before we, before we land and, uh, let the trade Federation invade Lindsay? No, just, you know, early on first reactions, I am really, really hyped about this. Um, but as, as all things for me, it's always story first. Um, so uh, yes, while I hope this is an amazing game, while I hope it's great gameplay and gamers are really ecstatic about it, and I hope it lives up to that early hype we're getting. Um, for me, I just hope the story is good. Yeah, and I, you know, I think for me that this this game looks absolutely phenomenal. I can't wait to talk about it more. I can't wait to. Um, to discuss in a deeper dive uh, different topics about this this game. And this trailer alone has rein, not, not reinvigorated my love for Star Wars because I always love Star Wars, but this was a nice, support, nice surprise that I've needed. Um, I would have loved to talk about some stuff a little bit um, more in depth, but I guess we'll just have to have the Lady of Lore on next time with that being said or sometime soon i will say because we're all very busy um but with that being said guys that will be the episode of sith talk um you can find us under the clashing sabers podcast feed you can follow us on the clashing sabers instagram you can follow sith talk on the sith talk instagram you can follow me at sith talker 25 talking all things star wars working out comic books barbecue spider-man no way home hawkeye all that kind of stuff i'm always down to talk about it brandon where can they find you uh, you can find me on all of those same uh, same places and then uh, probably tweeting about and posting about our fundraiser, which you can go to uh, go.rallyup.com slash Revenge of the Reader to participate in that. And we've got a uh, bunch of signed memorabilia. We've got uh, Leia stuff signed by Claudia Gray. Uh, if you're a High Republic fan, we've got Light of the Jedi signed by Charles Sewell. Uh, Rising Storm, the the special edition cover uh, signed by Kevin Scott. So all kinds of cool stuff um, that and and more over there. And uh, you get the chance to put some put some books into classrooms. Uh, I know we've put. Speaking of High Republic, we've put at least one, maybe two High Republic books into into classrooms so far. So hopefully we'll be able to do a little bit more of that. But that's all going to depend on y'all's donations. So please go over there and support <laughs> us there. Lindsay, where can they find you? Uh, your best bet to find me is really on the uh, Clashing Sabers Facebook group. Um, so go join that. We're always looking for new voices, seeing what you guys are up to in the fandom as well. Um, so feel free to head over to the Facebook group, tag me if you want to uh, yell at me for anything that I said or argue with me. <laughs> um, but that's, that's the best place to find me. And then on, of course, our flagship show, Clashing Sabers, and Don't Burn the Sacred Text, also in the Clashing Sabers feed. 
Okay, guys, that will do it for this episode of Sith Talk. And with that being said, may the Force be with you. Always. Hey, looks like you're done talking Sith. Who? Oh, Scion, the bartender. Yeah, he's gone down a couple levels. You're gonna venture down there? Well, there's a few things you should know before you go. Sith Talk, all the Clashing Sabers Network, they ain't associated with Disney, Lucasfilm, or any of their subsidiaries. All these licensed sounds and whatnot all belong to whoever the hell they belong to. We just use them here for entertainment and educational purposes. Look, if you're unsure about something or have questions about what's what, email us at clashingsabersnetwork at gmail.com. And hey, on your way out, make sure you leave us a rating and review. Word of mouth is how people find out about this place. Now, get out of the way. I got paying customers to get you. Jedi business. Go back to your drinks.